Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the World of Ink Network, founded in 2011 by Virginia Grenier and Marsha Cook. Their vision was to start a radio show that helped writers reach their dreams. The World of Ink has a wonderful group of hosts who are dedicated to delivering shows to entertain and inspire listeners. The World of Ink Network shares resources that introduce tips, products, and services to help strengthen, support, and challenge those who love writing and the written word. Their hope is to bring not only authors, illustrators, and publishers together, but screenwriters, directors, and producers. New to the network will be a variety of special shows, bringing not only entertaining shows, but informative discussions on timely subjects. To learn more about us, go to www.worldofinknetwork.com or visit us on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. It's Marcia Cook, and a good story is a good story and, uh, from World of Ink Network. And we have two great guests today, but uh, let's see if I have any messages today. Um, I do. Uh, Virginia Grenier will be back soon, and we're going to do shows together. And what we're going to do with our website now, uh, well, we have a lot of information on it, but I think that um, Virginia and I have decided I'm going like even on when people are on my show or on her show, everybody's book will be featured because I think that was a good way for more people to get exposure. Um, Virginia and I, um, we constantly market. You know, even though she hasn't been on the show, she's done a lot of marketing. We both do, and um, that's why we have a lot of exposure. We're on so many different things and. Even when people are on the show and they're just and people don't listen to the show, they still are in the Blog Talk network. Blog Talk has thousands of shows, so when people click into Blog Talk, so many people get to see the book covers and things like that. And so, what we what I we try to do is put them out on every show we have, and we will do this separately now. I do it on our blog, and sometimes I do it on my blog. I like five blogs, which nobody needs as much stuff as I have, which I've talked about many times. But that's why we get a lot of exposure. So, and But the World of Ink Network, we're going to be putting all the authors that are on shows, even authors that have not done tours with Virginia. Virginia hasn't been doing too many tours right now. So I think the exposure will be good if they're on the World of Ink Network. So from now on, anybody that is a guest will have their picture and their website underneath, you know, so people can find them and uh, then they'll see their books or wherever they are when they click on that. So that's a new feature that we'll be doing here. Okay, and um, let's see. Last week uh, Jack was on, and um, I'm going to let Jack. Uh, Jack, hi, Jack. How are you? You're getting to be a regular, which is a I'm good thing. Jack I'm doing real and, well. I, yeah, I don't know if I can afford to be a regular on this show, Marcia. Yeah. You talk me to death sometimes. <laughs> yeah. no, but I'm, I'm glad to be here, and I'm really glad well, that Ellie's on. Yes, and uh, I want you to Parker introduce Ellie. Uh, you know, I want you to introduce Ellie, because I think that Jack is such a kind author that two people that he likes, which is a lot of people because he has a lot of people that he knows, and he is always generous. And he has definitely yes. been generous to the world of ink because we have met 
some wonderful guests through Jack. And last week we had Dennis Mustan, and today we have Eleanor and um, Eleanor Parker. Is it Sapia? Is that right, Eleanor? Did I say it right? Sapia, yes, that's yeah. right. Okay. Oh, good. I did good. I, I'm good. Uh, all right. I, before we start, before we do anything, I, I guess I should say who I am. I always forget that. I mean, I am Marsha Casper Cook, and I'm an author, a screenwriter. I've been optioned several times. Uh, I have the radio show, which, you know, I'm a host, and we do a lot of marketing, and we give tips on marketing because, um, as we know, I try a lot of things and tell you the things that might not work. But I don't tell you anybody's name because I'm not going to do that, but I'll tell you if they're good, I will give you their name. And uh, Virginia does the same. We both try a lot of things out. And um, so I'm going to let Jack talk about himself for a minute or two and then bring on Eleanor because I, I think Jack will want to introduce her. Okay. Okay, well, let me just say this before I talk about myself. Let me tell you just how I ran into Ellie. Uh, a friend of mine was, was involved with something called Book, Book Trope, a mm-hmm. publishing house in Seattle run by a guy named Ken. I've forgotten his last name. Anyway, Eleanor was an author with that company, and they went they went uh, bust. But before that happened, right. I got connected to her through my friend, and I started to uh, read Ellie's work and got really excited about it because she's talking about some really important things. Um, she's a, a an excellent writer. I found an immense amount of poetry in A Decent Woman. That's the title of her first novel. And her second her second novel is coming, and I, I know we'll have the same quality in that, so that's that's where I stand with it. So, you know, that's Thanks. that's Eleanor Parker Sapia. She is uh, a world traveler and has been all over the place. Does lots of really good things. So, pleased to introduce Eleanor Parker Sapia, novelist and just all around fine person. And very <laughs> in, very very Thanks. interesting person with a lot of good well, attitude and views. <laughs> You have you have it going on there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. I appreciate. I love being here, and you've been very influential in my writing, very much so. You're very kind. Always been generous, and I call you my mentor. Um, I always have since the first time I read your Gabrielle and the Widow. Uh, immediately, I connected with you and your writing and your character. So thank you. Well, Gabriella that's, that's will be out. Exciting, Gabriella yeah. will be out on audio. Is it soon? Yeah, right? it'll Share come it. out. I just talked to Annette Romano, who did the voice on that, and she told me it should be online in a couple weeks. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm really God. excited about that too, because not often do you find um, a, a well, an actor or anybody who really gets into the characters that you have written. And by listening mm-hmm. to her, I actually found out things about the characters that I must have known but was not really conscious of. So it was a pretty exciting experience just to see that book turned audio. Really, really That's nice. A- and, Ellie, I, I think you should look into that, too, sometime. I, You know, I looked into it. I have. But then I've been – I started this uh, writing life uh, really at age 50 in August. So I have a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> Well, you know, the audio, the audio, no, but you can't, don't feel bad because the audio is not something that really, the audio has been around a lot, but not the way that you'll be able to do it, you know, with uh, ACX. Uh, 
because it's oh. a, a whole. And I'll explain. I'll, I'll call you and tell you about that. But but oh, I could actually say you can go on ACX. ACX mm-hmm. is part, is Audible's, and you. Uh, the good thing is you can put your information in, and then um, you can find a producer through that because it's Audible's, and they, I, I think it's an Amazon company. They say they're not. They are this. You know, they are very. I think they're they're not one and the same. They're a division, but I think okay. they, they. And what it is is they pick up your books, and if they like the book, they'll produce mm-hmm. it and they'll get in touch with you and it's all done through ACX and you can go 50-50 which means that there's no out you don't have to pay at the beginning because whatever comes in you both share if that's oh, what you Marcia, to do Marcia, can I can I interrupt a second look I'm getting yeah. a lot of interference on this line so I'm going to hang up and call you okay. uh, on a different number all right okay okay all right okay all right, so and that's what happens. What happens is you um they will pick you up if they want to do your book. That's wonderful. And then you can make yeah, a deal with them if you you can pay them outright or um you just do 50/50. I've done 50/50, so whatever whenever the books are sold and you don't do it or they don't do it, Amazon does it or ACX does it. They take care of all of okay. the bookwork. So it's, it's a really interesting thing. Yeah, and um, hmm. there's so many wonderful – or you can also go into the ACX program and you can listen to a lot of voices and then you can email them and ask them if they're interested in doing your book. That is a wonderful so, way to do it, yeah. It's yeah, it really is. Hear that and, voice, right. Yeah, it really makes Well, years ago it would cost a lot of money to get somebody to do your audio book. That's what I thought initially. I really yeah. thought that that was just out yeah. of my price range. No, right. No, this is your price range because it's not going to cost you, you know, I think Jack is back. Let me see something. Okay. Okay. Bring Jack in. Whoops. I cannot do this now. Well, let's see if he can come on. This is, well, this isn't blog talk if you're listening it's not happening <laughs> because Uh-oh. they just came in and they said on my info that they're listening to the shows and um to seeing mm-hmm. if there's any problems so i'm not getting jack back oh. in all right anyway oh jack are you on now okay because they it wasn't coming through jack yeah, I'm here now. Okay, good, good. Okay, good. Okay, okay no, good. <laughs> all right, I'm going to open up the chat room. And last week I didn't get it, and Jack, you were in it. So let's just see if, it, if it'll open up. If anybody has any questions, they can call in to at seven one four two four two five two five nine. Okay. All right, Jack. I know well, Eleanor. I you know, is there anything you would specifically like to ask Jack? Because I know a lot of times we're on email or we're texting or whatever. But now that you're in the same forum right here with Jack, is there something you'd like to know? You know, I was when I wrote I wrote a couple of notes before we came on, and and it was the same exact thing that Jack was talking about about character, okay. how you okay. come up with characters. You know, where you know, where did where did these ideas come from? How long does it take to to develop these characters and what, you know, what, what, uh, what techniques to use? Because I know I came from a background of, of painting for, again, exhibiting my work for about 28 years. So I came in, you know, sort of the side road, um, but, uh, and I started with portraiture. So I knew 
you know, I, the character is very important to me as as the person that sits for me. So so that sounds great to me, talking about characters. And right. Jack, Jack has super is, uh, characters. <laughs> Jack is not on the phone right now because we, it's oh, dropped no. him. I don't know what happened. He was going in on another way. But, um, okay, I don't know how that happened here, but maybe something happened with his phone. Okay. But I think one well, of the things is... But last week when when um, Dennis was talking and Jack, we were all talking about character, uh, when you started to write your story, did you have the character in mind or did you just start, like, pick a name? I mean, some people just pick a name and they go for it. Or right, pick an idea. Right. Yeah, Jack's not, Jack's not on. Jack's not on. Jack isn't on. Okay. No. Mm-mm. Well, in my in a decent woman, um, it the the book started as a tribute to my grandmother for her 90th birthday, and oh, wow. I, you know, I was a yeah, I was the kind of kid who sat at her knee and I could not get enough of her stories. I just could not get enough. And one of the characters that kept coming up in her stories was a, a her midwife, um, who was a black a Caribbean woman of really of unknown origin. Who'd, uh, who'd caught my mother, two aunts, and an uncle. So when I wrote the first draft, it, it, it quickly became apparent that Anna was the one I was most interested in. And she was, it was a story that I would have liked to have known, and my grandmother really didn't remember. You know, at 90, she didn't remember much about her midwife. So that's how Anna came to be. Uh, she was, Jack is, back, my on. Jack is had, back on. Jack, we're talking oh, about um, how... Um, Eleanor started with her character. You know, um, my grandmother also is a very, you know, she lived till 101. And so mm-hmm. I was really lucky also to have somebody that, and I do refer to mm-hmm. her in some of my books, and I, she's in my thoughts a lot of times. She's very influential in my life. And I think that when people are lucky right. enough to have a grandparent uh, that is in mm-hmm. their life and they listen yes. to them, they can get so much out of the relationship. I agree. I agree. And so I, I feel like that's a very big plus in my life. It was. It was. And I think because not not much was known about Anna, you know, the midwife, that, that she just became more interesting to me than any other character. And that's not how it started out. But the rewrite had her front and center. And uh, it was a story that I, I wanted to know more about her. And I was, you know, pleased that my readers were um, were as excited and taken by her. So that was right, exciting. when they connect. You're, I mean, so happy. I mean, an author is so happy when the... Uh, Jack, are you on? Yeah, I'm on now. Okay, good. Okay, I think what okay, happens is when uh, uh, when somebody sees your, your or listens to your audio or reads a book, let's just say, when they're connected to your character, I think this is like the happiest time for any author. I mean, when somebody is actually yeah. talking to them about their character as if it's a person, because to us it is. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think right around the time, well, actually, before I wrote the book, my mother had passed away at age 57, and I I realized, yeah, very young. About six years later, I realized that I had actually conjured up Anna, who was, who was who was it was the most, she was the mother I needed. Do you know what I mean? I mean she was strong, she was courageous. Yeah. yeah. She was you know, no nonsense and she was someone who would always have your back and she was you know, she loved her clients. So Anna was really I realized came from a, a need I, I suppose that I had at that time. 
But the second character in the book I'm working on now, I've changed the title. It used to be called um, The Laments of Sister Maria Maculada, and now it's called The Laments of Forgotten Souls. The protagonist is, is, is a young novice nun um, who, is, who leaves under a scandal at the convent and decides that the only place for her is to disappear. So she ends up on this very small island where there, where she'll work with um, at a leprosarium. So that reminds me of like she, the nun story. That's like my all-time favorite movie with Audrey Hepburn. Oh my God. I love that movie. Did you ever see I it? I do remember that movie. Oh, I love that book. I, I that book story. I'm not the book. I do. Jack, do you remember that um, movie, Nun Story? Uh, there was such a good, you know, I, I watched it whenever it's on. I just think it's so, yes. she went through everything so much exactly. to be a nun and then to give it up, you know, it's not that, exactly. you know. And it was, a, those, actually, I think some of those movies from the past were, um, yes. it was, you know, it was just so interesting. You know, it's it's a lot different now. I mean, Jack, wouldn't you say the stories from the past? I mean, there's so much. It, it, they're more. They're simpler, but strong characters. Jack, how do you feel well, about that? Are you there? The old, you know, Can I interrupt the, here for a second? Can yes, I jump in I mean, there? Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I keep coming up against is this question of what exactly is a strong character. You used that term, Eleanor, and mm-hmm. I, I, it's not mm-hmm. that I'm being critical. I just need a good, solid definition of what a strong character is. Ah, that's funny because when I speak, I don't remember what I said two minutes ago. I don't want to put you on <laughs> okay. the spot. Okay, but I, I, let's, I, okay, when you say strong character, like let's just say, you know, I, I feel that as a woman, I feel like I like my women characters to be able to do the unthinkable and just be not questioning themselves a lot. Maybe they do privately, but not while they're doing it. And so, how do you feel when you when you've written characters or in your poetry? Is that something about how, how you want to portray a woman? You know, not necessarily. I mean, with with the first book, she was a strong character only because of the role she was in. She was a midwife. She worked in a small, very right. poor community. So she was the, you know, the confidant of, of the women. She was loyal to her women friends and her clients. But the second, the se- in this second book, um, this uh, novice nun is, is, does not come off as a strong character at first. So she will develop, you know, she will, she will basically like peeling the onion. She will find her strength as the story Good. goes Good. on. So she's well, not, that's a good thing. People I, I like that. that. I think people yeah. like that. Jack, wouldn't you say yeah, that's one of the things? Not- well, one of the things that I keep also bumping up against is sort of, uh, you know, how a few years ago the word liberal fell into disrepute. And I, I think we're in yeah. the same situation now with the word feminist. Is a strong woman, a strong female character the same as saying a feminist, a strong feminist character? And what does that mean? when you try to write for a millennial audience in which the young people have no idea of the sacrifices of the previous generation that brought them the freedom to make their own choices. Mm. Well, yeah, that is a a definite, well, no, you know what? That is 100% on because sometimes I think now when I'm watching the news or when I'm, 
listening to people on TV. I think people don't, younger people, they understand it because they've read things, but they don't know everything that is here. I mean, that's why they have so many movies out like, you know, not, you know, like Meryl Streep, she did Suffrage, and, you know, all the old, all the uh, actresses have done roles, a lot of them, that are from the past, mm-hmm. that what what happened, like even when they're in the Academy Awards, when all of, some of the shows, you know, uh, from this year were about women and things that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm, True. Like in that, with the astronauts, with uh Taraji, when she won, you know, when they were in that movie with the three women, I mean, help, well, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's not coming to me right now, but I saw it. It was wonderful, but we didn't know that, you know, that was something that's really not talked about too much in history, about how active women were in the programs for astronauts. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that struck me that struck me about A Decent Woman as I read it, I I read it and reviewed it because it's one of those books that you really do want to review because you want to get people aware of it. And and Eleanor has done a magnificent job of getting the book out. But one of the things that became clear to me is that A Decent Woman is, in fact, in a way, your archetypal feminist novel because a woman starts in a subservient position. She's used, mm-hmm. she's broken, she's hurt, yeah. and yet she finds the strength to stand up and to take control of her life. Now, we, mm-hmm. we see things happening politically now that are still, that would have Anna be yeah. in the position that she is. And also, I've, I've forgotten the main other character who marries up uh, Eleanor. Uh, oh. That slipped my mind. You know, but That's she right. also yeah. goes through that same position or that same transition. She moves from being exploited and used and just being a doll and, you know, uh, sort of being subservient to a strong character who, in fact, exerts herself. Now, remember back in the 70s and 80s, they said, you know, got to remember that women are people, too. You know, it's as though there are people and then there are women. <laughs> and and your writing yeah. exactly takes that and slams us in the face with it, and not in a negative way, but it's saying here is what you have done to women, and here's what women can become. And so what we have now is a political situation that's militating against it, and the young people seem to be buying into it without realizing what they're about to give up. Would you care to comment? (laughs) (laughs) Eleanor... Wow. He's making you well, work, Eleanor. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Well, all I can say is I can only speak about my books. I mean, I, I see what's happening. I do understand that I marched for women in Washington. I do. And we're still not there. And I still think that probably a little part of me writes historical fiction for that reason. Um, it's because I, I like writing about women. I mean, I started in 1900 with the first book. The second book is 1927. You know, and and, it, and as I research, I I came to discover these atrocities committed against Puerto Rican women. Um, you know, socially and medically, without their consent, they were sterilized. Um, there's just so much. And now with the second book, I'm talking about another little enclave of women that that we don't. I mean, I love reading about nuns. I always have. You know, since I was little, this is the, I've always been fascinated by this, you know, kind of cult of women. And uh, and then I discovered that a lot of nuns, which, you know, that I did, I was actually shocked to discover it about all the rapes in convents. 
And so this, once I discovered that, I knew I had to write this book from a young nun's perspective. So it's the same kind of thing. It's just a, another little uh, unknown. The name of the, 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 name of the movie is, is the name of the movie is Hidden Figures. Hidden figures, yes, about yes. the astronauts, yes. exactly. Yes, well, and, you know, and one that's of the, the one, yeah. Go ahead, Jim. One of the things that we talked about a, a month or so ago, Marsha, Eleanor, you, I don't know if you got in on that show or not, but we talked about writing as a political act, and certainly yes. a decent yes. woman is a political novel, even though it's yes. not about politics. But you see, if you're right. dissatisfied with the status quo, and you say, this is going to change. You're making a political statement, I think. Would you That's uh, comment on that? And you're in your writing and your I do agree with you. I think when I wrote, because it was my first book and I didn't know that I couldn't write a book, I just went for it. <laughs> You know what I mean? And that's the truth. That's the truth. And when I started reading reviews is when I realized, oh, my gosh, this look at this theme. Look at that. It's a feminist novel, it was called. And yeah. I, I was I was surprised because a lot, I didn't think of it in those terms. But after, and, and it was me, I think we were emailing about that very thing, Jack, and you said that to me. And I said, well, God, it is true. You know, I it is political. It is. And yeah, right, and that's the thing. Life. Sometimes you write something, but it's coming from you, but and you're not really specifically making a political, you know, uh, analysis. Right. But the thing is, it happens. And you know, I was just talking with somebody the other day about this too. Sometimes in our writing, you know, you don't realize you are giving a message till somebody else says to you, you know, I got that message, and I'm going like, what? You know, and it's like even in my children's books, I didn't write them to be messages, but then they, you know, they turned out to be where people said, oh, this is really good for a kid's ego, and you know, uh, bullying and things like that, and. I, you know, I just was writing the story as I saw it. I did not in particular, which sounds like you were writing the story that you wanted to tell, not realizing how much it would affect people when they read it. Exactly. I think that's very true. I think with this second book, I'm more, I'm very aware of that. And I know I'm going to be, you know, stepping on some toes um, because I'm, you know, dealing now with the Catholic Church and, and the, uh, you know, the Department of Health in 1927 and the atrocities that were committed at this leprosarium. So I re, I'm, more, I'm more aware of that now. But with when I first started writing, no, I was telling a story that I wanted, that I would have liked to right. have read. But now, right. now I'm aware, definitely. Right, right, yeah. right. And some of the things, you know, years ago in hospitals, I mean, years and years ago when you you know you watching movies and you know for medicine and whatever i mean they 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 didn't have a lot of people questioning some of the things that they did exactly and they just exactly did them right. and they just did them exactly you know. right well i think yeah. gabriella came across to that to me as well like that that she was a woman who had also um you know gone through an uh, atrocities as well and came out as a as to me, a strong woman, a, a, a well-developed woman who who took her took the world on at that point. So, I uh, I, I hope. Jack, yeah. I, I think I, that's right. I think Jack. Well, I will put this on you now. Where did Gabrielle come from? I know I, I've heard you say it before, but I don't think we've talked about it on the air. Where did Gabe? Where did she come from? How did you get her to you to focus in on? 
female. Okay. A female okay. character, so good. Well, I was I was actually trying to find my review of a decent woman. Um, uh, let oh. me just let me just kick up before we leave that. I want to just re- read what I thought about that. Um, Wonderful uh, review. It was just yeah, amazing. Uh, so grateful. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm I'm about to find okay. it because I want to okay. read just one thing that really struck me about it. It says, um, uh, 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 uh. "You found it." It says, so is a decent woman a woman's novel, an historical novel, a novel set in another time? Is the term historical novel misleading? If the writing works and if the storyline is pure and true and if the characters in the writing come alive, then there is no need to question the roots of the novel at all. In a sense, all fiction is historical. If by historical, we mean set in a time, not the present moment. Any contemporary fiction will be historical in 50 years. That much we know. I would say that A Decent Woman can be seen as an historical novel, but at another level, it is a Puerto Rican Cinderella fairy tale. Okay, so Mm -hmm. in that, what I was trying to get to in that was to sort of summarize in a few words the depth to which Eleanor had taken the writing here. If you substitute political for historical, if you substitute uh, Puerto Rican Cinderella fairy tale, if you substitute feminist for that, and you, I, I think I use that, those words later. She's developed a novel that is simultaneously a, an historical novel, a political novel, an indictment of sexism, an indictment of the pro-medical universe that does not deny, that does not accept the lore and the antiquity of, of the of the midwife. I mean, that's a very complex that's- book, Eleanor, and I'm really pleased to have been able to read it and to review it and to to bring. Oh into my world things that, that had only been sort of incipient ideas. Okay, that aside. Mm. Now, jumping back wow. to Gabriella, I I try to, well, first of all, in, in a way, a decent woman and Gabriella have certain things in common. One is the two characters in Gabriella are actually uh, phenotypes of my mother and her, her Mexican-American caregiver named Gabriella. Beyond that, there is not a word of truth, you know, if we talk about realism as true. There's not a word in the novel that is actually about my mother or a word in the novel that's about Gabriella. She did not start in a Mexican village and come up on a fairy tale. She did not, my mother, you know, did not ever run off and get impregnated by a Russian uh, sable baron, you know. I mean, <laughs> but. As I got into, as I wanted, okay, who would Gabriella be? I started writing back in time. I call it mm-hmm. a walk back in time. So I say five I minutes before Gabriella opens, ten minutes, one year, five years, so on. And that way I discovered this richness of the character, which is some people asked last week, somebody said, well, isn't that just backstory? No, no, backstory is a totally different trip. So my question mm-hmm. to to Eleanor is when you start, digging into a character are you concerned with the realism of that character who is somewhere in real life you know are you concerned with that character in real life or do you discover a new integrity and a truth in the fictional character and that does that character then have the same strength of being that the real life character does now that's a complex question but i know you can handle it 
<laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> wow, wow, that is, that's a deep one. Um, with the second book, I, I think. Where I, do you want to start? I, yeah, really. <laughs> Let's see. Um, hmm. Wow. She might want. I'm she might want me to that. disconnect you. She might want me to disconnect <laughs> you. <laughs> I can. I can plead. I can plead that my telephone went bad, and you don't have to answer that question. Yeah. Okay. No, those okay. are some things that I came across as I was reading A Decent Woman. I mean, clearly mm-hmm. you had some historical antecedents there that you were trying to bring into, the, you know, the real life. Well, one of the things, right. the way I define fiction is the artful infusion of the past into the narrative present. And you did that mm-hmm. so well in A Decent Woman. You know, it actually Thank becomes you. almost a model for how to handle that. Whether or not those events actually happened is immaterial. Mm-hmm. The fact is that you brought that past into the narrative present with such force that it has a life of its own independent of whether or not the characters were founded in, in real out reality. See, real life bores right. me, you know. So, even <laughs> well, I think, you know, Eleanor, Eleanor and I were talking about that, you know, about character before, you know, we, you got, you know, before the show, you know, but Eleanor, you're, you have done a lot of things in your life and you are strong. And when you say that you haven't, you know, done this that many years, it, you know, but in your artwork and everything else you've done, it probably got you to this place where you could create well, characters. Well, that. That's exactly where I was going. I thought, well, I can only, um, because I painted for about 28 years before I wrote anything, I would say that I, I began, I usually begin like I begin when I'm painting. I, you know, I lightly draw the subject and then I'm, I yeah. start with the underpainting. You know, I keep right. in mind where I want to keep the white for the highlights. You know, these are some conscious choices in the creative process and I'm constantly making these decisions as I'm adding the next layer of color right. or paint Just to, it's like to a, a discovery. portrait for example it is a discovery and I think writing feels the same way to me in that there are layers upon layers to discover you know in each character and story and I think for me, the, the the more I learn about the craft of writing, which which is a question I had, I want to ask later about the craft of writing versus art of writing. I think the more I know about the craft, and and the lovelier you know the creative experience becomes. But sometimes I just have to I have to just go with the creative rather than yes. craft and the and like structure and voice and all that. If I concentrated on all of that in a character, I think I, I would probably give up. Yeah, I but that's what we talked about last week. We did talk about that last week. If we actually thought about everything that came out when we're writing, we would probably never write because it would we'd go like, what are we, you know, because it's, it is, it's, it's a very, it's a discovery. Even, I think I've done this in my writing, and even years later, Something comes mm-hmm. up in your head, and you think of the character, and you know, well, that's about that character because they're still mm-hmm. in your head somewhere, you know. And I, I have created, I think, so many characters. I have like twelve screenplays and ten books, but I have never really created anybody that is the same except one time, which is now, and it turns out that unrelated to anything, they're sisters. 
The two books, My Guilty Pleasures and My Virginia Templeton Stories, Virginia and one of the characters, Elizabeth, they are sisters. And I did not, they weren't even, I didn't even know either would ever be the same type. And in my mind, I went, oh, my God, I'm writing her sister. I didn't even know it. So I think that, and I, for me as a writer, when I find that out, to me this is so exciting. This was what makes writing so interesting is you never know what can happen. Exactly. And I think, I, I, I just think, Karen, I don't know if I answered your question, Jack. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I tend, you did I answer. You answered one of his I'll questions. Follow, yeah. I think I'll just have to think about that because I, I kind of <laughs> kind of blank out. <laughs> well, you know, but but, uh, but the truth is, Jack. This is I, I'll ask you this question. You know, because I you think about a lot of things, and you do. You're you're very philosophical. You think about all of the things that makes a good story good, and what the characters are like. How when you're writing, how do you free your mind from that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that yeah, I think he hung up. I think he hung up. No, he's on. <laughs> Jack. Well, let me let me jump in here and say freeing one's mind mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is 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 really a difficult thing to do. But what happens is, I like to think of it this way: when I'm writing, I always do everything by longhand and then dictate it up. I used to type it up, but I'm such a lousy typist. I have to dictate. I use a thing called Dragon, naturally speaking, and it works really well. But in the handwriting, when you back up one step, Natalie Goldberg says, get out of the way and let the characters do the talking. Okay, well, what does that actually mean? What that means is you write without thinking. And Nicolas Boileau wrote an art poétique in the 17th century in France, and he said, avant d'écrire, apprenez à penser. Before writing, learn to think. Okay, so thinking first and then writing, but don't think while you write. If you let your hand do the talking, pretty soon you find that the characters are talking to you and you are saying what they are thinking. And we we talk about this a lot as a method writer. I, I think of myself as a method writer. The method actor has it really easy. They get inside one character and they live there and they're that character wonderful. The writer has to be crazy as hell to live with 16 (laughs) characters and be Uh all of them and write the dialogue so that the dialogue isn't wooden and just a repartee. You know, each character has to say something that has a meaning, and dialogue should never tell the story, but the action tells the story. Dialogue exposes character. So what I see the answer to that question is, first, you can't get out of your mind, but what you can do is get your ego out of the way and let your yes. characters take control of the story. George, George Eliot yeah. and George Sand, all those 19th century writers said that ad infinitum. Get out of the way and let the characters tell the story. Right. Oh, now back to the reality of my character. So my answer is do timed writing by hand. Let the characters talk. Do not think when you write. Take what comes. What comes is going to come from the deeper story that you tried right. to discover when you're doing all that yeah. walk through back, yeah. back time. I agree with so you because that, that is... That, 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 you know what? That is really true. I mean, that's how I write also, the same way. I mean, I do write a lot. Like sometimes I'm watching something on TV and I get like an idea in my head. All of a sudden I take a pad of paper and I just write, and then there is my conversation going. So I have my conversation going and I know where it is, and then I will end up putting it somewhere, but I know that this 
character had a conversation like that because I wrote it, but I wrote it fast as I said it on a piece of paper. And when I will go to the computer and put it in, it will come out differently, but I will have had somewhere to start. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, let exactly. me let me give you an example. I, I'm working on a character now called Cursus in my novel Citadel, and I've written a. I just wrote a whole thing about her uh, yesterday by hand. But as I was getting ready to dictate it into the machine, she gave me another line, and her <laughs> line is, "My perfection destroys me." Whoa! Oh my God! My perfection wow, destroys me. Well, yep. as wow. as 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 Tricia looks at her. Cursus raises a hand, and she sees that the palm of her hand has no lifelines, no bloodline, no, no, none of those. Her skin is absolutely smooth, and and that's oh. when Trisha discovers that she's a a planner. Planners are ageless; they don't age. Their skin does not wrinkle. So what she's saying is, my perfection destroys me. It's right. just, I mean, what an insight wow. into the character. Right. I didn't yeah. have yeah. that. But if I had but, not, but that kind hand. of but that sums up a character, and that is in your mind now. So that will exactly. make it actually exactly. easier for you yeah. because yeah. she. See, I mean, these are the things that you know. I I guess I do them like naturally. I don't think about that because we said this last week, and Dennis did the same thing because when Dennis had a, was interviewed the same time you were, Jack, he get, you know he found it m- much more difficult than you did yeah. to answer the questions because when you yeah. write without thinking about all of these things, you just it comes out of you. You are well. You what have, you're doing, what you're doing. Here's my theory. Every, we, there are as many theories about writing as there are writers. Yeah. But let me drop this little egg it's out true. there. All right. What That's you're right. doing exactly. when you're letting no go theory. and not thinking, <laughs> right. you're actually taking dictation from the unconscious. The yeah. unconscious yeah. is where the archetypes live. The archetypes are probably not existing structures at all, but they're products of mind. So what happens mm-hmm. is you discover an archetype, you give it a name, you put clothes on it, and you have moved the archetype out of the abstract into the real, but you're still listening to the archetypes form the story. That gets us to a real pressing question. Are there a limited number of stories that we as writers can tell? Work on that one, mm-hmm. Eleanor. Marcia, work on that one. Well, I, I don't think there. I think there are. I think a writer, if they really don't think about it, I think they can keep writing continually. You know, uh, doesn't mean you're going to use what you've written in whatever it is you're writing, but you will use it somewhere, and somewhere along the line, you'll remember it. And you know, so I mean, you can't like you know. Sometimes these things just happen. I mean, there's there aren't answers a lot of times for, you know, like even in uh, I think I, I think it's Twilight when. Um, the author of that said, "Oh, she, don't she mention that! It, don't mention that!" I know that it came to her in a dream. It came to her in a dream. Oh, All right. Naughty words! Okay. Naughty words! No naughty right. words on the air, right. Marsh. Yeah, right. Well, I've used a lot of others. I'll tell you that. But the thing is, it's that it came to her in a dream. I don't know. I mean, um, Fran Lewis. Uh, I wish. Uh, She's a, a wonderful reviewer, and um, we've known each other for seven years. We were talking. She had a guest on. I w- I'm going to have to listen to it. It was about lucid dream, lucid dreams, which um, mm. does that strike a bell for you, Jack? Did I? <laughs> no, no. Eleanor, <laughs> do you, Eleanor? Let me ask you a, yeah. a real serious question. Do you okay. think <laughs> that the archetype provides the source for your stories? Or do you, uh, I don't want to say make them up. See, um, my question is, can we actually make anything up? 
we talk about creative, right? What does that mean? Does that mean just putting clothing on an archetype? And so by the clothing, you know she's in the 21st century instead of the 17th? You see, yeah. I mean... I think that's true. I've had, yeah, because I think, don't you think historical writing? I mean, the people that you're, the characters, even when you're watching certain things on TV like Downton Abbey or whatever, you can relate to that even now. I mean, it's just human nature. We have mm-hmm. certain feelings. And wouldn't you agree, Eleanor? Exactly. Yeah, I, w- I, I do agree with that. I think that. For me, when I begin, when I think of a character, um, I. I also have a background in counseling, so these archetypes are in my subconscious. Um, yes. When I think of a character, I think of, okay, well, I even think of what her Myers-Briggs might be. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I well, know. you're right. I, you know, right, because, you know, we all have things that we go back to, you know, and I do have, you know, uh, I actually, in both stories that I've done lately, um, there's a psycho- psychiatrist, um Nicholas Waters. So I was kidding around the other day. So I was talking to uh, uh, Robin, who is from Fidelity Publishing. She does helps me with a lot of my work. She, you know, I said mm-hmm. I think I'm going to need Dr. Waters pretty soon if I keep worrying about all this marketing and everything because I'm already thinking and he's like a character. I mean, I should go see him because you know sometimes you know talking to a psychiatrist, you know, and for my characters stops them from, they even lie, though, to their psychiatrist. And so that's what people probably do a lot of times. They don't tell them the truth because sometimes you don't want to face it or you don't know it. Right. Well, that's true. That that does happen. That does happen. <laughs> I think I think I think with characters. I think for for me with the backgrounds that I have, and I I kind of and I don't go into a story to answer your question, Jack. I don't start with an archetype and put clothes on him or her. Um, but I'm aware of what this person, this character at this age, at this time of their life, with their experiences, because I also have a lot of notes about my character, each character. I have, you know, three by five cards that tell me, you know, you know, where they were born, you know, who their parents were, where they were raised, um, what they look like is important to me as well, because I'm very visual. Um, So it's, it's kind of a little bit of everything and archetype kind of comes at the end, but I'm aware (laughs) of, you know, is this, is this, you know, a heroine? Is this a joker? Is this a, you know, a lover, is this the you know, sensual woman or the wise woman? I'm kind of only because I'm aware of those things only because of the work that I've already done to with each character. And, and I love that Jack calls it, what did he call it, Jack, walking back in time? Yeah, yeah walk back in yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. I See, one of the do, things, I, Ellen, let me interrupt yeah. for one second just to add a little dimension here. One of the things that I have discovered is the more work you do, I, I call it writing about the writing. Before I ever mm-hmm. write a scene, I, I do a lot of writing about it. And I worked for a couple of years with a screenwriter named Stuart Stern, and he told mm-hmm. me that sometimes screenwriters will write a 200-page treatment for a 90-page screenplay. <laughs> and what this means is they know an immense exactly. about the immense amount about the characters and the past, but it's not necessarily backstory. It's more an exploration right. of the psychological reality of the character that yeah, they are exactly. that they are coming to. So that when they sit down actually to write scenes, they're not making anything up. They're just writing a history of what this character told them. Right, and no, I that, love really, that yes. idea. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think I that's very true. true. I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think you know. I once met. I used to go to this workshop every every week, and mm-hmm. it was just you know, it was a workshop where um, I I didn't particularly like to go. I just was how I was learning to do things. But I would go, and I didn't particularly like that when one story was read, everybody would go, you know, start really analyzing it and slicing it apart. You know, I didn't like that. But mm-hmm. I remember one person that was there said to me, one time she was reading about Sumi um, wrestlers, and I said, "What are you doing here?" And she said, "Well." Someday I will put. Someday I may need that in something that I'm thinking. And I, sure enough, there was some book that she had written, and she had a Sumi fighter, a wrestler in it. And I, and I, when she wrote her first book, and I'm thinking, well, there it is, because she never. She thought it was going to be necessary. You know, she just said she used that as an example, but it was that sometimes somewhere something sh- shows up that you're not expecting it, but you knew it was going to come somewhere. It just didn't know where the home right. was going to be, in what place. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's why you that's yeah. why you load up your mind with reading, and then you let mm-hmm. your your unconscious, you know, stew on it for a while, and it chews out up and sends out something that you can actually use. Well, that harkens right. back to what Eliot said, Thomas Eliot, the poet. He said, "Good writers borrow, great writers steal." You know, yeah. you, you yeah. know, think well. What she's doing is actually borrowing something from reality. Now, I don't know her, but she's borrowing something, and her yeah. unconscious is yeah, going to chew it, on it. Yeah, but it is amazing, though. You know, yeah. what yeah. the no, mind that, does and how right. writers work. You know, and how yeah. writers work, and where, where just that one line. You know, just mm-hmm. you know. It fit I, for what she needed it for, but that's how we all do things, I think. And I think that one of the things is when we have these conversations, which are so interesting because we all are writers, but everybody gets to a different place when they're writing. Sure. But yes, exactly. we, we yeah. just love it. It's the passion of writing that keeps us writing. Well, that's exactly. what was really interesting about the interview that Jack Smith did with Dennis and me and three other authors. Uh, we all said use slightly different words, but the end point was the same. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we, there are as many ways to write as there are writers, and yet they all wind up in the same place. And that's a fascinating notion, you see, because yeah, are is. there a limited number of stories? Has our evolutionary past dictated the shape and size and the experiential possibilities of our minds to such an extent that we can't really invent anything but can only reshape what has been experienced either as a species or individually, uh, I don't know. Are there a limited number of stories? I've got a book right here that's called by Vladimir Prop called "The Structure of the Folk Tale." Well, what is he talking about? He looks at dozens of folk tales and says, "Jesus, they're all the same thing. See, they're all telling the same story with slightly different clothing." Which gets into the notion of the archetype. You know, anyway, I'm confused. I get confused well, but, easily. You know, but I think that a lot of times, you know, um, I've had Lee Michaels on my show a lot of times. She's written about 200 books. She's done a lot of uh, Harlequin and regular romance, and she writes her own series now, and she's done tons of work. But she does write a lot of historicals. So I rented one of the, not rented, I, I bought one of the audio books. And um, her book, it was a historical novel, and I was shocked. And I told her this; it was so funny. It was it was such a neurotic book, and it was a short story book too. And I'm thinking, like, I didn't even think she could write that. You know, would, would write that way. And but in those times, you know, they had as much sex or more than people do now. 
you know, and um, and I've said it because there's, they didn't have TV or Internet or anything else, so what the hell, what else did they have to do? So, you know, but I was shocked, you know, because I just wasn't expecting it, certainly from her. And then it was funny because you don't know who's going to come up with what, and, and that's why they make right. such a deal about writing erotica and in fact one of the problems with amazon is because the categories you know where to put your book you know and and this is a very big problem for most authors is where to put your book because it could be in several categories but they don't allow that to happen so instead of saying you say contemporary and most people don't want to only be in that because that's a like a in a pool of millions you know but you have no choice right right yeah, but to put yourself somewhere, you can't. You have to put in right, what you are, exactly. you know, what it is. Yeah, right. Well, Eleanor, Eleanor, why don't you? Yeah. I know it's not a good practice, but can you tell us something about what you're working on now? Sure, sure. This is a, a story that starts in 1927. It's a story of three people on just distinct journeys of of the soul. Um, there's a young nun. Uh, a priest, he's a rum-running priest who works on the, uh, who's lived on this leprosarium for about 20 years, um, and, a, and a young American doctor who comes on on the island and thinks he's only going to be there for three months, and that's not what happens. Right, so I, I can. I, I think I'm figuring out what's happening with the nun here. So that's <laughs> yeah, it's just about the, you know, like moral dilemmas, you know, like misguided faith, forgiveness, secrets, forbidden love, and redemption. Well, that's so a lot. Um, a lot going on. I, I never you... take on uh, just like the when I started painting. I started painting watercolor portraits, which is like insane. Um, yeah. And I, I, I just. This is just what comes out of me. <laughs> well, right, you know, but, well, you're, you're you're much deeper than you, you know. It's a very, you know, sometimes people are a lot deeper, and we don't even know how deep we can go until actually we start to do things like this. So probably when you began writing, you didn't realize how deep you could go. Maybe it wasn't but, exactly what yeah, you were Ellen, thinking. I have a question for you about the doctor. How did you get the sure. doctor? Does he just come into the story because of necessity? There's an island with lepers, and he, there has to be a doctor, or did exactly. did, you, did yes. it come from some place harder than that, deeper than that? Well, he's he's actually on a on a reconnaissance mission, and no one knows. So um, he's he's going to come on and and figure out whether these this leprosy and this certain leprosy should be should be closed down, and no one else knows. So they each have their own secrets. Uh, the young nun is, you know, she's kind of she's fled the convent. There's been a scandal, and the uh, and the rum running priest has his little secrets as well. So they come on with ideas of who each other is, and then discover that who they're living with is not who they thought they were. Mm. And uh, which could be which how could happen, <laughs> which could absolutely which, happen, which happens all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think so, you know. This is not a political statement, but this is just some. You know, with writing, what's happened within the last year or so. You know, and all the movies that are out, and just things that are out. The FBI, CIA, all the shows on TV. You know, Homeland, all of everything. It's almost not like like a writer now has so much that they can put in a story without, you know, as long as they go like, oh, they're in the FBI or CIA, you don't have to explain much more because 
anything can happen. So it's like years ago you'd have to right. be more specific, but now you go, well, they're FBI, so what what could happen? You know, could happen. You know, and right. because there are, anything can happen now, and it's much more um, you get it a more of an approval rate now than years ago. I mean, you really had to be much more specific on things, but now you just go, they can't say, they can't say why they're here or whatever, and it's a secret. So it it yeah. really gives you a lot of latitude when you're writing a um, story now, I think, you know. It does. I agree with you. You know, which I lets agree. us go anywhere we want to go. It can, and sometimes I think that what I'm experiencing now, and I'm still writing scenes, and I have about 20, 25 chapters, but I'm still going into still writing scenes, so I, I haven't really come to the point where, I can sit down and write the whole thing. I'm still doing scenes and chapters and, and finding that I, I don't, I don't really, I'm not finished. I'm still thinking, thinking, thinking. (laughs) Well, I don't think we ever, you know, Jack, you would probably agree with this. We don't stop thinking. I think that's, well, that's a good thing, but we don't stop thinking. And sometimes in our stories, when you go to write the story, you know, write the whole thing now, you will probably change some of the things because you'll go, oh, this, this might not work because you, you've changed you know, in your thinking exactly. by bringing on other That's things, true. you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. Well, we, I think we, I think writing is never a permanent thing. It's only an approximation right. of some kind of an right. emotional reaction to something. And it can only, yeah. you're only ever trying to just cover the emotion with words. And I, I used to have a technique that I would use with, with younger writers. I would say, okay, what's the story in this sentence? What's the story in this paragraph? What's the story in this, this section? What's the story? Because if you can't tell me what the story is from this little thing that you're showing me, I, I, it, it's not going to be anywhere. And that leads you to think about writing in a different way. It yeah, takes you deeper into what am I doing here? What is going on right. here? What is make, well, Is this the right verb? So it goes from the vast story thing down to the word choice on the page, but it's still an approximation, always an approximation. It can never be the thing itself, you see, because words well, this was a great. Wasn't this a good discussion? This is so, I, I love this because it's so, <laughs> such a good discussion when, you know, because when you're, you know, it's a very passionate subject, writing, and it's it's so interesting to listen, you know, and I was trying to explain to my friends how I have learned so much because listening to different authors and their technique and how they get to the where they need to go, it's so, I find it very yeah. interesting, you know, and it seven is. years it's later true. after doing shows, I still love it, you know, and uh, for me well, it's Marcia, very exciting. Speaking of, of loving it, I'm going to have to split right now. Okay. Yes, uh, yeah. uh, this has been really great fun, Eleanor. I'm glad we got to chat, and I'm glad to hear you're making progress. I'm glad progress. you decided to come on with us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, yeah. All right, Jack. All right, Jack. Take care. Thank you. Before we before we go. Oh, okay. We're not. We'll just stay out. Eleanor, don't go anywhere. One tiny little thing here. Okay. In this novel, this is a decent woman. In this novel, in the face of a male-dominated and male-defined world. Miss Parker Sapia shows us how women find the strength to go on and in the end to overcome the limitations that culture places on them. Wow. That's a feminist tragedy. <laughs> well, that's I mean, a good way to that. That's, that's why we political. like to have you on the show. I don't care that's how you phrase it. We like to have you on the show. You just don't okay. say goodbye. <laughs> you just okay, my friend. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> bye-bye. Thank Take care. You. Bye. Thank Thank you. Bye. Thank you.
Uh, Eleanor, keep so, that right. Eleanor, that was great. That was, I know, he's terrific. I, you know, wonderful soul. Oh my God, yes. I mean, that's why I love having him on the show. He, you know, he's so serious about it, and you know, because I don't, it, I don't miss the show. Yeah, he, he's uh, really, he's uh, so interesting. I, you know, I just find him very interesting, just the way he sees everything. You know, it's very. Oh Right, makes I know. Think. I tell you, he makes you work and he makes you think. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, she's going to leave the show. <laughs> no, 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 no. We we actually email each other. so this I know is, that. I know. Gonna... I know. That's how I yeah. met you from Jack. I know exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he would really, you know what? Well. I find him so interesting because um, – he comes up with just, you know, and it, he's so deep, and I think that's so interesting to listen to how he gets to the same place maybe we do, but in such a unique way. It's, he does. Uh, well, you he's know, got experience. He's got experience behind him, and he's 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 a brilliant writer. He really oh, yeah, is. He's, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just so, but he's so, you know, he's very entertaining. I don't think he realizes how entertaining he is when he asks questions, <laughs> but he is, yeah. you know, and he yeah. he really gets in, you know, to the soul of writing. And there's not really a lot of people that do that, you know. He's really no, in it, I you agree. know. I and agree. I think that yeah. I think that's a goal for people is to try to write. Without, because he doesn't think about how many books he's going to sell or where he's going to market. I was and, just going to. Say oh yeah, but, that. right, because I we don't talk about a lot of marketing when we're on the show because he knows how I hate it and I talk about it all the time. But I absolutely hate no, marketing. No, he's he's absolutely right. I think that's. Yeah. Um, I will read anything Jack Remick puts out, sight yeah. unseen. Yeah. I don't care yeah. what the subject matter. I've read Gabriella and the Gabriella and the Widow. I've read Blood, which which is yeah. just a oh, yeah. so he's a very unique writer, and he's but he's very thoughtful, and he is he really does he know so many things. I mean, he's you know, and he puts it in the right perspective. Really. And Bob, who he does the, we didn't even get to talk about yeah. yet what their um, right. you know right. their right. their blog is. It's a very you know, they answer questions for people and they're, they're help people, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we're talking about all this, but a lot of times people don't talk about this. That's why I do these shows, because when you talk about these things, you go like, oh, yeah. my God, that's me. That's me, you know, and, um, yeah, and a lot shows. of us have these me. problems. It just doesn't come out. You just don't sit down and there is your book. It's not happening, yeah. you know. They're, and if it does, you, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. So is there, no, all right, I'm sorry. so. Where can they reach you? I know it. Oh. I know where. This uh, this would be www.eleanorparkersapia.com. Okay, and That's and I'm sure the book is going to be a while, though, right? I mean, you're just it should be. It will. I, at first, yeah. I thought I, I might be 2017, the end of, but uh, no, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. probably going to be closer to 2018. But yeah, well, I'm, I'm because it'll be the way you want it to be. Exactly. Right, it'll be what you exactly. want. Right, exactly. I hope you're going to come on again. Five years. Did it take five years? I hope you'll come on, now. and I'll have Jack too. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll have Dennis too. too. Dennis That'd was very super. interesting. Oh, they're completely I different. I you know, to the show. Uh, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I do find it so interesting how we all get there. You know, and sometimes that's I don't true. try to think about it that much because if I did, I really wouldn't get there. So right. Just kind of, I think so you know. too. I think the less I know, sometimes the better I'm off I'm at. But right, right. But it's all there in the it's it's there. In right. The you know, you know, you know your character, and that's really important. That's the number that's one the thing. Part. You know, that's know who you're writing as. 
you know, because we turn into that whether we like it or not. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Eleanor. And um, I will be having my show next Tuesday. And uh, Jean Jokanam will be on. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming Thank on. Thank you I for love, having yeah, me. I love to hear what you have to say because, you know, we, we've talked you too. on the phone, and, you know, you're very interesting. You really are. And Jack oh, Together is a great are, show. You're a wealth right, of So thank you so much. And, I, and have a great you, night. Take good Take care. care. You too. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.